Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. You may know me from Bravo TV's Family Karma and, of course, social media. I grew up in a very conservative Indian family but I have always forged my own path and live life on my own terms. I recently left my successful career in New York City and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing and I know you are too. Join me as I spill the chai on my own cringeworthy personal life experiences every Thursday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, welcome back. I know this has been a very anticipated episode, not just for what we're talking about today, but mostly for the fact that Shane is finally on the podcast. Welcome, Shane. Here I am. <laughs> so I did tease and promise that we would tell the birth story on the podcast. And I mean, a couple reasons for that. We could write it all out, but I just don't think that it would have the same impact. And it's just a really cool way to tell the story. I'm going to be completely honest with you, though. I have a baby on the tit right now. And we're going to see how she copes with this. I might have to pause it a couple times. All right. So let's go back about a week and a half in time. When you're listening to this, it'll probably be about two weeks ago. But we're going to tell the birth story from basically how it all started. So from my end, I woke up at about 1.45 in the morning. Too specific. (laughs) It's not too specific. It's the timeline. (laughs) Nobody needs to know what time you woke up and went to the bathroom. But this is the beginning. That's when I woke up and I I felt the first uncomfortable contraction. It's your beginning. But it was the third night in the row that I had had something like that. And I think you woke up with me, didn't you? Because I started to I started to track, and I was like, I think this is it. I feel like having me on a podcast about remembering something is a mistake. <laughs> Probably is a mistake. I think I think this is kind of burned in your memory a little bit, though. Like this was. Yeah, basically, it was my third night of having this ongoing painful contractions. Now, to be fair, I'd been doing everything possible to bring on contractions, everything from 
you know, going for long walks to bouncing on a ball to nipple stimulation to sex. We tried everything and nothing was really taking. It just kept giving me contractions that eventually would fade away. So on this particular morning, which was January 15th, I woke up with these painful contractions and I started timing them and they were all about 12 minutes apart. And I just kept trying to sleep between them. I've been tracking my contractions. At any point, did you think that this was real, that this was it? I don't recall. You did wake up with me at some point. It was around five in the morning. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor. Let's try and get some sleep. I've definitely woken up with you. In the night. In the night at some point. But you don't remember that night. It's not burned in you. I remember things like waking up. That day? Do you remember waking up? I don't. I don't recall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember waking up and I remember saying to you that we should get some sleep. This felt like it might be real. Then all of a sudden I woke up again two hours later and clearly the contractions had stopped. Did you say all of the sudden? All of the sudden? It's all of a sudden. All? Of a a sudden. All of a sudden? Yeah, I just said it really fast together. I said all of the sudden. (gasps) All of the sudden? That's not correct. All of a sudden. Correct, yes. This terrifies me. This is like that time I said emancipated instead of emaciated. And I'm never going to think that. I'm never going to be like I said that at a major conference. Emaciated? Emaciated. But I said emancipated. And nobody (laughs) corrected me until I came home to you. And you were like, that's not what that means. (laughs) Anyways. So yeah, I woke up that morning and now it was, it'd been two and a half hours and I just had the contraction stopped essentially. So I was a bit bummed out because I was like, oh, that was a really long night. I was up since, you know, 1.45 in the morning and suddenly they just stopped. So I felt like I labored all night and then, you know, kind of got excited about it, thought it was going to be for real. And then they just stopped. So a couple hours later, they started coming back again and they were now same thing, 10 to 12 minutes apart. And I texted my sister and she was like, just call the midwives just to even know. They were even further apart. I remember because they were like, yeah. They were like 11 to 14 and they were kind of erratic. They were, yeah. And everyone always says you have to wait for them to be consistent and the like five, five minutes apart and consistent. So even at 10 minutes apart, they might be doing something. But at that point, everything was just all over the place. They kept going all over the place, but it was a really long last night. And so I called the midwife and she called me back and was like, basically, it's going to, it's going to go one way or the other. What did we do that day? Because it was, it was Friday. Like, the kids were home. They were at home doing school. But I feel like there was time, like this didn't happen till like 11 a.m. Yeah. So before that, we were doing some, we were making breakfast. I don't remember. We definitely came downstairs and hung out with the kids a little bit. And I said that I thought I might be in labor. And Bo got really excited because he he was like, yes, oh, we're yeah. in the bed. He's like, oh, yeah, it's, you're, you're in labor. I'm going to go play Fortnite. Oh, 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 I know what happened. Because I did call the midwives and she said, priority number one, you're exhausted. You need to go get some sleep. So I was... Right. You went to take a nap. I went to go take a nap. So you were with the kids. And so I I went back asleep for a little bit. And And we watched Cobra Kai. That's when you finished it with Bo. We watched Cobra Kai. I remember. And so I... Wait, wasn't he doing school? Mm. Maybe at lunchtime you guys did. (laughs) So talk to my midwife and she basically orders me to go get some sleep, take a bath, go find, she gave me a couple of different recommendations, which I'm not going to pass on because I don't want to be that person that says something and then other people do it when it wasn't their medical advice. Anyways, I went back to sleep 
for a little bit, enough that I felt I got a little refreshed. Now, here's the thing. When I think when you're thinking you're going in labor, you have all of these like ideas of how it'll go down, how you're going to text people, the things you're going to do that day. I had all these ideas of what I thought that day was going to look like, but it didn't. I was exhausted. I never did my makeup all day. I felt like a pile of crap. And so the midwife gave me the option to, if I wanted to, I could text her and say, come on over and let's do an exam and a stretch and sweep if we needed it. So she came over that afternoon. Is the practice of being a midwife called midwifery and not midwifery? I think it's this midwifery. Because to me, midwifery would be for midwifs. What's a midwif? Nothing. Well, I, you would say midwife though. Midwife. So why is it midwifery? I actually don't know. But I know that if there is a male male midwife, they're called a mid-husband. Then why did you call him a midwife? Because I have no other way of explaining it. Hmm. Regardless. So I did opt for that. I, I After a couple hours, again, of like having these contractions all over the place, I was like, yeah, let's just do it. I had a bit of a nap. I don't want to keep sitting in this spot. So let's just go for it. And in my head, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to be like one of those magical unicorn humans that has this like mild labor and suddenly, you know, I'm like seven centimeters. Like in my head, I really, really thought that I was outsmarting everybody and that my body was way further advanced than we had thought. And that all of this contractions and all of this were just, even though they're erratic, even though they're far apart, this was real. So when she came over and was like, you're two centimeters, which I already basically was on Tuesday, like four days before, I was super defeated. And you weren't way ahead. I was not way ahead You were not Bradley Cooper in Unlimited. <laughs> I was, I haven't seen that movie. I was really. Stocks. What? Stocks. What? Stocks. Stock market. <laughs> oh, it's about the stock market. No, it's I thought about it was Bradley like- Cooper. <laughs> I've not seen it. The midwife was basically like, this is going to give you some cramps for the next hour, but you know, you're looking good and just brace yourself because this is something called prodromal labor where it's labor that feels the same as regular labor, but it's very erratic. It's not, you don't want to call it false labor because it's still doing something. It's doing a little bit of something, but it's not progressing you as you should. And she looked at us and said, be prepared for up to a week, up to a week of this. Yeah, she said days or weeks. Yeah. She did not say a week. She said weeks. I think I only limited myself to believing more of, of a week. So and I, you, you only what? I honestly have this weird thing and I keep feeling really insecure about it. That even Sometimes when- you masturbate words into sentences, <laughs> even though they don't make sense. <laughs> masturbate more. I've never heard that saying before. What? It's when you use a word out of context and it doesn't make sense. I don't know how that's masturbating it. That's the point. That's not the correct word for the sentence. Let's take a pause from our show today to talk about one of our sponsors, which is actually the very last thing I ate before I gave birth. That is the Mama Bar. Mama Bar is on a mission to support expectant and new moms through purposeful nutrition. 
Mama Bar was founded by two moms out of Seattle, Washington. One, a licensed mental health counselor and certified nutritionist specializing in pregnancy and postpartum health, and the other, a working mom and advocate for women's health. They are moms with young children and personal experiences through pregnancy and motherhood that helped inspire the Mama Bar. Now, the Mama Bar, like I said, was formulated by a certified nutritionist that specializes in pregnancy and postpartum nutrition. The bars were thoughtfully created to provide nutrients specific to the needs of pregnant and postpartum women with iron, magnesium, zinc, protein. Mama Bar contains real food ingredients, mostly organic, no artificial ingredients, no vegetable oils, and they are sweetened with organic honey. Ingredients were thoughtfully chosen to support optimal milk supply with nuts, oats, flaxseed, dates, and cocoa. The Mama Bar also contains pea protein, which is hypoallergenic, plant-based protein. It's also gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, GMO-free, and they are seriously delicious. When it comes to taking care of yourself in postpartum or in your pregnancy, often we need something that is can be enjoyed single-handedly on the go to support you and your nutrition in this season of life. Not only that, but they taste amazing. The texture is so great. I absolutely love them. And I've been, like I said, I've been enjoying them from pregnancy and now into postpartum. And they are a risk-free purchase. They will provide a full refund if you are not satisfied with your mama bar, but I really think you will be there. One of my favorite things to enjoy. The flavor is unmatched to me. It's, it's truly, truly unique. And right now you can visit mamabar.com and enter code papaya at checkout for 20% off your entire order, whether it's for you or to support a friend who is in this season now, I can't speak enough good things about it. So visit mamabar.com, that's M-A-M-A-B-A-R.com and enter code papaya at checkout and you're going to get 20% off your entire order. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, no, but seriously, ever since the baby's been born, the other day we were playing Mario Kart and we were doing like the video chat. And as I was talking to people, I feel like I'm stumbling on my words. I was really worried about it last night because I notice it like it's almost like a weird form of anxiety or something, but my words are getting jumbled. But it freaked me out because I have like two public speaking events. Like I know, virtual. Ex- I know exactly what you mean. That totally happened to me the other day. I had like five scotches and then four beers. And I was trying to explain to someone that I had five scotches and four beers and I just couldn't get the words out. I honestly, it's, but I'm not having anything to drink. So this is just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm sleep deprived. Maybe I'm just if out you're of not practice. Having, if you're not having anything to drink, maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe that's it. My brain's just needing a little bit some more or something. See, even there, I'm not even saying proper words. It's really, it's, I'm a little concerned regardless. So we did the stretch and sweep. You were here for that, weren't you? Were yeah, it was. It happened in the living room. Yeah, it happened in the living room. And I think I was taking out the garbage at the time. And we, oh, you remember that? Yeah, because it was very full. Like okay. someone did not take out the garbage when it was full and they were putting things on top of the garbage. I don't know that you need to say they. You can just say you. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> it was me. But I was pregnant. I was allowed. The midwife left and said, you know, you're going to probably cramp for the next hour. It's going to go one way or another. It's going to make itself known. They they use that word a lot. They use the word declare a lot. I noticed this whole pregnancy because every time I would call in a panic about something, they it's would because, use the word, it'll declare itself if something's going on. It's because they were from the Savannahs. 
I do declare. <laughs> I do declare the baby is coming. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, gosh. She left around 3.34 o'clock. 2.45. No. I don't know. I don't remember. It was a while after that. And we kind of went on with our day. I remember that you must have told the kids to be really chill and quiet. Right. Because she said, right now, you just need to like have a free mind because when you're parenting, so the, the midwife said, if you're parenting and your, your mind's on parenting, you won't have the baby because your body and your mind are going to want to be a parent mm. until you right. get to that point where you're not having to parent. So I was like, guys, leave your mom alone. Just like, you know, anything you need, hit me up. You want to order pizza? Hit me up. I'll do it. Because we're just going to be super chill. Yeah. Just so quietly. (laughs) Because I was like, you know, we want to have this baby. So like, if you guys are super chill, the baby will come. It's going to happen. And sure enough, these contractions kept being about 10 minutes apart. And then all of a sudden there was one that was two minutes apart. And then there was one that was five minutes apart. And then it went back to two minutes apart. And then it was like a minute and a half. And I was like, oh, no, this is going really fast. And you're like, hang on. Like, just let it be consistent. Because at two minutes apart, you know, 10 minutes go by and you've had five contractions. So that's the thing that people don't tell you. When you hear contractions two minutes apart, you think you have a contraction. And then you have a two-minute break. And then you have a contraction. That is a bold-faced lie. What actually happens is you're tracking from the beginning of the of the contraction to the beginning of the next one. So if you're having a minute-long contraction, you're only having a minute in between them. So I was, they were like on top of each other at this point. So I called my wife back and I'm like, this is, this is getting really close. I don't want to be the person that doesn't call and at least make them aware or let them make that call. So I got the student midwife on the phone and she was like, let's come, we're going to come over and do a check. So she comes over and now I'm like, I'm two minutes apart. This now I'm going to be at least seven centimeters. Again, I just had this, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be very, you know, advanced in this. And they came over around 7 p.m. And so two midwives, uh, the midwife who saw me in the afternoon and a student midwife as well, who had been seeing me my whole pregnancy. And so they examined me and essentially said, you are five centimeters and we're going to stay because this is, this is now happening. You're five centimeters. That's when we began to get set up. Well, not really. Like at that point, it, it wasn't, there was no setting up yet. It was like, oh, we're not, we're not for, sh- we're not for sure, sure that this is real. So the midwife's just sticking around in case it's real, right? So we're just all like standing around. At five centimeters is real though. Drink a couple of bubblies, right? Yeah. Like, when the, did you start getting things set up? That's that's when I think when things were very, or that's when she went in there and she's like, oh yeah, like it actually, it actually, she's good. It actually went up. Right? She's like, oh, it's it's getting bigger. It's like, My cervix. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so so then we're like, okay, let's at least blow up this this jacuzzi that we ordered. <laughs> I wish it was a jacuzzi. Um, so we blew up the inflatable jacuzzi. And then, you know, you started to get a little bit more intense. We're like, we got to fill this mother up. 
Yeah, that's, I honestly, that's where I started to get really blurry. And let me just preface this. Like I knew we had a few birth plans. The number one one was to try and have a home birth. And I did mention it one time on Instagram and I realized that there's still a lot of stigma around home birth. There's still a lot of misinformation about it. A lot of fears. On top of that, there had been this new Netflix movie that came out where it featured a home birth that went wrong. And so I was really kind of private about it because I was already so nervous about the options we had within having a pandemic birth because things had kind of gone up and down with like the hospital numbers. I was really nervous about things. And at some point in the pregnancy, I really wanted to do a home birth. Thinking about it for a second, though, typically, had it not been for coronavirus, we wouldn't even have considered a home birth. We wouldn't have, which to me is a little bit unfortunate now but, coming through it. But but if, but if you think about it. like if, if I think about it, I probably Like weighing the op- options, right? There's a... We know people who have gone to the hospital to have a, a, you know, to give birth. Yep. Baby got COVID. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like. I, Not here in Canada, but it no. did happen to friends of ours. Yeah. So regardless, I mean, if I'm weighing the options here, it's like, I know there's a lot of sickness in the hospital. Mm-hmm. We're su- We were super set up here. We had we were. every contingency planned for. Yep. We were a three-minute drive from the hospital. Yep. So if something did go wrong. We knew. Yeah. It's, yeah. But, I mean. We, we, like. We knew. We we, knew for us it was the right decision. We were in the best case scenario because of where we live. Yeah. And what we prepared for. It's not, I mean, if we lived 45 minutes an hour away, we might not have even considered it. Yeah. Oh, no. Probably not. But. What was your... <laughs> I've told this story a couple of times. All right, let's have a quick chat about bedtime stories. Just because you're grown up doesn't mean you've outgrown bedtime stories. Whether you just want a story to turn you on or wind you down for better sleep, Dipsy helps you get in touch with yourself for some extra sweet dreams. Now, what is Dipsy? Well, Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy story features characters that feel like real-life people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. You can find stories about off-limit hookups with your professor or a costume party that takes things to a whole new level, or maybe a story where your partner tells you exactly what to do or you try a new toy together. They release new stories every week, so there's something new to explore all the time, no matter what you're into or what turns you on. Dipsy also has wellness sessions to help you learn more about yourself and bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. I didn't really believe that this could actually work, but trust me, it does. The stories are truly so immersive and really do work to calm you down and to get you ready for rest, no matter what kind of a day you had. And right now, for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash papaya. 30 days. Give it a try. Dipsystories.com slash papaya. Sweet dreams, my friends. Now let's get back to the show. What was your initial reaction when I was like, I want to do a home birth? 
I just don't want like I do a really I don't want fluids <laughs> everywhere, okay? You know, it's bad enough the dog diarrhea on the carpet that one time. <laughs> we don't need weird new fluids that we're not even familiar with. That's true. Around the house. I got there's a UV light on the way. By oh the my way. gosh, I still think this is the worst idea ever. No, it's coming. It detects urine, other ends. We're going to put it all over the house. Yeah, Shane really ordered that. So, okay, let's go back to the birth story a little bit. We're So, you are now beginning to prep the tub. Yeah, so filled it up. There's this giant liner, which was like, it was kind of like one of those sheets that you would put down when you're painting or like right. the kind that comes on a mattress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, it was really thick. Yeah, super thick. We put that in the, the the tub. It fit pretty well. It didn't really form over the the tub thing. So I was kind of worried that it was going to be uncomfortable for you when you were mm. in it because it's very wrinkly everywhere. But you seemed completely fine with it. We did lay down some blankets on the floor so that nothing would kind of hurt And a shower my, curtain. And a shower curtain. I right? would have preferred a tarp. So I would, you know, just any, anybody again. else considering a home birth, get a bunch of tarps. Right. And home birth prep. We had everything in bins. It was mostly towels and shower curtains. And if you, if you, you know, if you have a, like a, a wood stove, you can cover your wood with tarps as well after the fact. I'm just saying. <laughs> so relevant. No, I'm just saying tarps are very useful. But we also figured out. Most so people don't have enough tarps. We did. I know most people, you, when you envision having a home birth, you envision it in your bed or something. And for us, we Ugh. realized. Well, I know. Why is that ugh for you? We're literally, we're literally sitting in the room. Well, I didn't give birth on this couch, but... Exactly. But we did prepare the couch. We actually removed the sectional section of it, the chaise lounge of the sofa. We wrapped it in... So that we wouldn't get fluids so on no the rest fluids, of it. Right. If that were to happen, which did not happen. And we had a shower curtain down. Mm-hmm. And then we had... Sheets. sheets down. And then we even on top of that had like those puppy pads or those medical pads for any fluids. They were puppy pads. Let's not sugarcoat it. It is a puppy pad. So all the exams, there was like no, they even broke. So, okay. We were five centimeters. That's when. You were it, five centimeters. I was five centimeters. I was whatever my urethra normal is. <laughs> Let's not try. And they offered to break my water because that would, and I remember looking at you and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that because... No, you were all over it. I was all over it, but I also looked at you and I remember having a moment of thought and I said to I said to the midwives while looking at you, it's just really hard to make a decision for more pain because I knew that once your water breaks, it's going to intensify, but they said and, it would shorten the and, time. And there's no turning back. And there's no turning back, which like, at even this if, point, even we're not if, turning back. Even if it was false labor though, or like early labor, whatever. Yeah. You break your water... You got, it, it's go time. It's go time. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a baby within a certain amount of time. So they went to go break my water and you have to wait for a contraction. Her head was very, very low. So they had to wait for a contraction so they could feel the bulge of water and break it. And so they do that and nothing comes out. Like literally nothing came out. And so they're like, okay, well, not, s- not what they expected. I don't remember any fluid. She's like, me. she's like, oh, there's some blood or something. It was like very minimal nothingness. But it was just like what was expected to yeah. be because you were having contractions. There's a lot more fluids and stuff though that like happen during pregnancy that like people don't talk about like 
what you, a bloody show was oh, a word. Yeah. Bloody show and mucus plug. Well, that's the same, isn't it? I even I had never even heard of that. Yeah, it's I, like the thing that comes out. It came out of me the day before. Right, but I was like, that's a thing. Like, why have I never? I went to school. I studied. Yeah. Nobody ever even said the word mucus and plug together. It's a really disgusting term. Yeah, why can't they call it like the... Cervical plug or something? Like that like would even be nice. The baby bonnet, you know? The baby bonnet. Like something nice. That's where the prenatal classes really came in handy though. They really prepared us for a lot of that because even though I'd had three kids, I learned so much in a prenatal class for the fourth one. I just thought it would be a great experience for the two of us knowing that we were going to try and do this home birth thing or even just going to the hospital. I had had two failed epidurals in the past. So I knew going into this, I was probably going to have to have another last couple of times were medicated, but they felt unmedicated. So I knew that I was probably going into something unmedicated. And we were looking at a lot of these different options. Our prenatal instructor was actually the woman who rented the tub to us that we set up in the living room with all the tarps and everything. But they went to go break my water and nothing came out. We didn't have a tarp though. We only had a shower. We only had a shower curtain. And so I went, then they encouraged, why don't you go to the bathroom? Because sometimes if your bladder's full, it can, whatever. So I go to the bathroom, still like there's no fluid coming out. Like nothing was coming out of me. And so that's when they were like, all well, right. Pee, pee came out. Pee came out for yeah. sure. And then they're like, okay, get you can start getting into the tub. And your job was to keep the tub at temperature. So I had to have the tub Yeah, so that's another thing. Like, I feel like there's like a good market there. Or maybe not a good market, but there's a market. A birth tub that recirculates and keeps the temperature. Oh, did I not tell you there was another tub option that had a heater in it, but it was already rented. But it was a hard side tub. So I can't imagine that I would choose a hard side tub over the soft inflatable one in exchange for hot like like for a heater. But it's convenient, like your convenience. It's too bad it's not an individual unit that can go in. They do have that. It's called like a, a bucket heater or something, but apparently it's dangerous to have your 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 body inside. Yeah, so there. that's a bad idea. Because they'll electrocute you. So you, we filled the tub and we have to keep it at body temperature because if the baby's going to be, they basically were like, are you going to have the baby in the water? And I'm like, I think I'd like to. So we're trying to keep it at like, I'm going to say it in Celsius because I don't know what it'd be in Fahrenheit, about 37 to 37.8 Celsius because it's going to drop a couple degrees Mm -hmm. or a couple points of degrees within minutes. Yeah. So we're constantly, we probably filled it up about 80% and then slowly added just super hot water just to keep it up to temperature. Now, I'll be completely honest with you all because I felt in my mind, because everyone talked about the best non-medication method for contractions or like for, for pain relief is getting into, you know, a bath or, or water. And so in my head, I thought this moment was going to be so therapeutic. I was going to go from having these really intense contractions that were two minutes apart. We'd already been using like a tense machine, which my sister loaned us, which it helps you like distract pain. It like sends these little electrical currents. I'd already been doing that. I think I'd already gotten to my limit even for that. I had Shane like crushing on my hips, trying to distract from the pain. 
So getting into the water, I really felt now was the moment. I knew I was somewhere between five and seven centimeters. I was going to get into the tub. And this was the moment that I was going to get that relief that I felt was going to come from the water. The contractions felt the exact same. They didn't feel less painful. What happened, I'll say, is that all of the in-between became very, very different because my whole body was just floating. I was just floating in the water. The only time that my muscles had to do anything was through these contractions. So within a few of them, I I kind of saw where the relief was and it just wasn't where I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to make the contractions less painful. It just made me more relaxed in general so that I wasn't so tense. Ideally, if I hadn't been like, a little bit grossed out about being in the water. I would have also been in the water. Yeah. Because my back really hurt hunching yeah. over. I was hunching over the tub trying to like hold your hand and console you right. while you were going through contractions. But my back was killing me. I know. When you look back on the pictures, you're like arched over the whole time. We're talking like, I mean, it doesn't actually sound that long. It was like two and a half hours. But that it was really intense. And I, I literally… Well, it, I threw my back out like three weeks. Like, yeah, you did. Three weeks before. Yep. Something like that. And I just remember at this point, I'd stopped talking to yeah. anybody. Yeah. You were just there. You were just laying in the tub with your eyes closed. I was a little worried that your head was going to go under for a while. Mm, yeah. So I, I remember the only way that I was communicating that I was having contractions, because at this point, we handed over that responsibility of timing. You them. were just giving me your hand. You're to, like, yeah. I would just give me your hand and I would just start squeezing your hand. And that's how we could measure. That was my way of kind of telling everyone and also measuring that I was having these contractions. One of the really good tips from the prenatal classes mm-hmm. was they're like, don't just say things like, you're doing a great job. Because all of the midwives are saying that. So yeah. if you're the dude, you're the father, whatever. Partner. Partner. You don't just say, you're doing such a great job because that's going to get annoying. Yeah. Like hearing the same, the same thing. thing. So I just didn't say anything. Yeah. And you I feel were just like, there. Yeah. I feel like that just, that just worked out. I tried to just be there. You didn't get angry at me during the entire period, which was… A shock? Not really, but like more like… It's more like a victory. Like, yes. For sure. I didn't make you angry while you were giving… <laughs> Let's take a pause from that conversation for one of today's sponsors, which is all about great hair, because let's have real talk here. If you don't love your hair, then you need to break up with your current hair care routine, like right now. It's time to try Function of Beauty instead. Now, I've been trying Function of Beauty already, and I've got to say I'm super impressed, and I'm a little bit easy to impress when it comes to packaging and design, and that's kind of what hooked me, but the products themselves are actually so amazing as well. Now, let me share a little bit more about Function of Beauty, because it is a world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulations for your hair's specific needs. This is what you do to get started. First, take a quick but thorough quiz to tell Function of Beauty a little bit about your hair type and your personal hair goals, such as lengthen, volumize, and oil control. And because your hair changes with the season, you can change your hair goals with every shipment. This is incredibly important for me because I went from having pregnancy hair now into postpartum hair, and they are very, very different things. Then you get to go on and choose your color and fragrance or go fragrance and dye free. Then, Function's team determines the perfect blend of ingredients, bottles your formula, and delivers it right to you. 
Every ingredient function of beauty uses is every ingredient function of beauty uses is vegan and cruelty free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can go completely silicone free as well. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations and Function of Beauty has over 50,000 five-star reviews. Not only that, Function of Beauty also offers completely personalized formulas for body and skincare as well. So you can customize your beauty routine from head, from hair actually to toe. So let's get to it. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash papaya to take the quiz and save 20% off your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. That's functionofbeauty.com slash papaya and let them know we sent you and get 20% off your order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash papaya. Trust me, you won't regret it and they come in the most beautiful bottles. Mine had these cute little pumps and said function of beauty and my name on it. And I got my purple shampoo. So my hair won't go brassy. I just love their formulations and I can't wait for you to try it as well. So head on over to that function of slash papaya and get on that great hair routine. Now let's get back to the show. When you look back at the pictures and I remember it too, I was very tense. Like I was like, every time it happened, I was like, and I would grab your hand and I would be so, so, so tense. And my whole body, I would just like clench, just waiting, waiting, waiting because contractions feel like a wave. So they start, like you can feel it building and then it peaks and then it kind of comes down. So when you, when you're getting ready for that peak, you're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then you're kind of, okay, it's okay. When I first got in the tub, I was still doing this like tense up. And I remember Shanna, the midwife said, Sarah, why don't you try leaning? You're really tensing up away from the contractions. Why don't you try leaning into it? And that feeling, like, I don't know why that one thing she said just shifted me, but I was like, okay, I'll try that. And I remember instead of tensing up, just like staying really, really calm and letting my body feel that entire contraction. And I almost felt like things were once that, once that changed, it almost felt like I could feel my body moving downward with the contractions. They were no longer, I was no longer tensing up. I was like leaning down into it, which was a very bizarre feeling for me to lean into pain. All your muscles were relaxing too. Like you were actually mm. squeezing less. Your face wasn't like, that's another thing. I was thing. falling asleep in between. That was another thing. She's like, D- try not to tense your face. Yeah. Right? Like keep your face, keep your mouth not like don't tense up your face or tense up your mouth. And that's like how you kind of think about it. And from that, your whole body kind of relaxed. You weren't squeezing as much. Laura, the student, my wife checked me again. And, and again, I have it in my head that we must be really, really close. So she checks me and she's like, okay, you're seven centimeters, which to, to them, they're like, this is so encouraging. It's been, we've been here for two hours. You've gone as a centimeter an hour. That's a great goal. That's basically what you want. And she goes, well, there's most of it is almost gone towards the back, but in the front, which is, I don't understand anatomically how this works, but I guess the cervix still had quite a lip around the front. So they said, why don't you go on your hands and knees and see if, you know, the contractions will actually remove that cervical lip that, you know, that extra couple centimeters that are happening in the front. I just always thought that it like kind of opened up. I didn't realize there could be lips in some spots and other spots or whatever. I don't understand how it worked, but I know that I got on my hands and knees and everything changed. Like everything changed in that moment. 
because I got on my hands and knees and I remember the very first contraction, I was like, I'm feeling pressure. And they were like, okay, like what, it, what kind of pressure? And I'm like, it, it feels like I need to push, which I was scared to do because I knew that if you push too early, your cervix can like swell up and stuff like that. It was, it was bizarre. And at this point, they now had texted the third midwife because with a home birth, you get to have, a, you know, another one here. And so she's now on her way as well. And the kids have been, the, did the kids come up yet? No, yet. No. Until I was on my back. The kids didn't come until like you were making audible pushing sounds. Yes. Which was interesting because you were making audible pushing sounds while you're on your hands and knees. Mm-hmm. But you gave birth for the last 20 minutes on your back. Yeah. And then you weren't making sound. Those first ones, I literally felt like I felt this pressure and I was, I grunted. Like I, I, I didn't expect that. That was a weird, that was a new thing for me. That's, that's apparently, it's a well, grunt. It, the prenatal classes, that's the exact sound that she made. That's true. She did demonstrate them for us. She, she, she. She audibly demonstrated all of the stages, which was interesting. I remember I remember because of the first stage, she demonstrated that it would be exciting. And you looked at me and you're like, why aren't you excited? Why aren't you doing that? <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited. Oh my excited. gosh, I'm so excited. I did not do that. But so on my hands and knees, I'm seven centimeters. So she checks me again. And she goes, okay, it's coming away. You're you're now fully dilated. And I remember as soon as she said that, she was like, she's telling me I can stay in that position or I can move over. And I just flipped to my back because I knew I I knew in my head that either way, it kind of felt the same, but I wanted that moment of her being put on my chest. So I just had it like, no, I want to be back. I don't want to give, I didn't want to give birth like that. I don't mean to sound weird. I've watched so many beautiful birth videos like that, but in my head, the way I envisioned it, like, <laughs> like the fairy tale it was, I wanted to be on my back. So I flipped onto my back. Also, like if you give birth, I was worried when you were like grunting on your all fours. Yeah. You're in the water. Yeah. Your f- face is faced straight down. I was yeah. like, is Sarah going to drown over here? Because oh, she's like… Because I was really… I was actually… Face. My mouth was in the… Like, I felt really bad because my my mask was slipping a lot. And a lot of people are like, oh, why would you have a mask on? We just tried to keep it on as much as possible. I had some moments of like nausea and stuff where I took it down. But you have to remember, there was like three midwives in our home. Even though we'd been like quarantined for about a month, I just felt like I was really open to and wanted to keep as much protection as possible. And so I did feel bad that it slipped a couple times. But I remember… It getting wet mm-hmm. when I was on my hands and knees. So you're right. I was really close down to the water. Yeah. But I felt in control. I really did. But like, I don't know that. Yeah, true. God wasn't talking at all. But I turned onto my back and essentially began pushing. I only pushed for 15 minutes total. But if what was really fascinating is I remember pushing and then I remember head feeling like it was like it was I got that ring of fire burning feeling and they're kind of encouraging me to just breathe through it because I know what they didn't tell me in my last three births is when they tell you to kind of like chill during the pushing it's not for any other reason except for you don't want your vagina to tear it's actually for you so I was just like okay if I just really like get through this burning sensation this is like no tearing for me I could feel the spots that were definitely starting to tear. And then I felt the baby kick and shoot back up. And then I was like, did that 
did she just go back in? But I, again, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm my eyes are closed. I saw I can, it. I can, yeah. So I didn't know it until after I looked at the pictures and I went to the midwife. I'm like, did her head come out and then go back in? And they were like, yeah. The like crazy, almost fully out. The, the crazy thing is, is like the head does not look like a head. No. When it, it first like comes a out. Walnut. It, like it just looks like a, it looks like if you took like a hairy little handkerchief. Yeah. And just scrunched it up. Yep. That's what it looks like. It's very wrinkle head. It's like, you know, the size of a large avocado. Well, we learned this in our prenatal that like the, the skull of a baby actually has the ability to like adapt and overlap a little bit. So yeah, it comes it's out. The skull is like two halves. Yeah. And they overlap with each other like, you know. To come so, through the pelvis. Yeah. It was shocking. But it's shocking to see the photos and like you can actually see that it's in action. It's, it's mind-blowing that the brain, the brain is like intact. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the brain doesn't get damaged by being like squeezed through a vagina. After that push and then she came back in. Or she shop. I felt her kick and she went back in and then pushed again. And then that time her head fully came out. When her head came out, everything came out. There was no, I don't, I don't remember pushing her shoulders. I don't remember anything else. She just shot out. Do you remember those baby dolls that you'd fill up with water? Yeah, water babies. Yeah. Babies are actually super like that, except that those water babies didn't have bones. Yeah. But like the way they like, move, they're just like, squish out. Yeah. Now, like, what happened in that first second when she shot out? Oh, wow. She was super, her head was like purple, purple, purple. And half of her upper body, like imagine she was wearing a bandolier, like, like Chewbacca, you know, Chewbacca's yeah. bandolier yeah. across her body. Well, she had an umbilical cord wrapped around her body like that. And so her one arm up, from mm-hmm. her, from her umbilical bandolier, yeah, caused her whole half body to be purple, and her head was completely purple, and it was tight. It, it was, was tight around her neck. Knew about water birth, but obviously became much more aware during that moment. So essentially, when the baby comes into the water, their their oxygen is still coming through the umbilical cord. You don't have to worry about them breathing. They don't breathe the water, but once they have breached the surface they're no longer able to go back underwater. So she had come out so fast. Because as soon as they, they come as out of the water, came out, they yeah. want to use their lungs. Yeah. So as soon as she shot up, she shot up and out and out of the water. And so now I, I remember them just saying, okay, you're going to have to stand up. So I immediately just get on my knees. And because what they needed was the length of the cord. They needed more cord so they could unwrap the baby. And what's amazing is that's always the moment that you're terrified of. It's not the, it's not everything leading up or everything. I mean, they're monitoring the baby so much. And I was like, even as I'm pushing, they're monitoring her heart rate. We were very confident that she was okay. But it's always that moment they come out that you hear, you know, so many different stories about and things can go wrong. But I was so calm in that moment. Like even the fact that we had, we had a table set up in our house that was like considered a recitation, rest, rest, shoot, say the word, recitate. Oh, I'm going to let you do it. (laughs) Recit, oh my gosh. You're missing a syllable. Resuscitation. There you go. Resuscitation table. We had one in the house. So even that, like you think it mentally play with you a little bit. But in that moment, she came out. She was blue. She was blue. And purple. purple. But I was so calm. The midwives were so calm and they were quick. 
Like they were so quick and they were so calm that when she came out and, you know, they tell me to get up on my knees, I just get up on my knees. They had her unwrapped and on my chest within seconds. In that moment, it felt very calm. I was looking at her, her eyes were open, her tongue was out and all that stuff. And they were, they were rubbing her back really, really quickly, getting everything, throwing a hat on her. Like they were quick in action, getting her, making sure that she was getting that first cry out and that, you know, she was warm and, and the towel was on her and everything. But for us, that moment was very peaceful. Was it for you? I found everything to be pretty expected, except for the umbilical cord part. Right. Did it freak you out? The entire time, though, I was like, I just need to be calm for Sarah. Right? So I was just trying to be calm for you because my calm energy would, you know, make you calm. Yeah. So I was trying to be calm for you. So when I saw it, and thinking back to what, you know, they said in the prenatal classes, like, don't say anything to, yeah. to, you know. To add to panic. Yeah. So like, don't say, oh, what is that? Or anything like that. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay, it's fine. But then I was like, oh, shit. Like, I can see it's tightly wrapped. I'm like, oh, I think that's an issue. Mm. In my mind, I'm like, I think having a an umbilical cord around the neck is probably bad. Right? Yeah. But they did it so fast that there wasn't actually time for me to panic about it. It was right. like, I was like, oh shit. Oh, now it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And then out she was and we had, and then we clamped, you cut the cord. Was that weird? Or was it cool? Was it anything to you? Is it, like, it monumental in your mind? I remember the, the texture. It was like, no, it was like, it was like cutting through like beef tendon. Well, I don't know what that's like. Chicken tendon. <laughs> I thought it was spongy. I was no. no. It's more like the the texture was very like tendony. Okay. Well, so it was more difficult though to get through. Like I remember it it, it didn't look like an easy cut. Like I wouldn't want to do it with my teeth. No, that's disgusting. No, but I'm saying like I, I wouldn't. <laughs> Well, that's a relief. Baby's born. Typically, baby stays on mom's chest for an hour. Instead, we actually transferred her to you for a minute so I could get out and then because, deliver the placenta yeah. and get stitched up, all of that. So basically, I got to hold the baby for like two minutes while you got out of the tub and got onto the couch. How did that feel? It was pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah. The, it was way less disgusting than I thought it was going to be. She was very clean. Super that was clean. a great part. And to be honest, like I know you were a little bit weirded out about the idea of being in the water. If you look at the video, it's very clean water. Yeah, it was. But it was like, very clean. But you didn't know that. No. And that's fair. That was your limit. I don't have swimming shorts that I want to throw away. That's fair enough. You know? Yeah. You know what? It's true. And I also don't want to be like shirtless around a bunch of strange people. I don't know. I'm just weird that way. That's okay. I like taking off my shirt, but you know. Sometimes I just need a couple of drinks. <laughs> it was all in all. We then, you know, got out, did the stitches, did all that, did the baby exam. She's looking amazing. It was all very slow paced. I think I'm used to a bit of a hospital birth where like baby's born, cords cut, baby's weighed, all that stuff. And then they're wrapped up and swaddled and brought back to you. This was a much different approach. It was very much like baby's on you. Baby has a feed. Baby actually crapped all over my body. And then, like an hour later, she was weighed. Well, like after the birth happened, 
everybody, absolutely everybody was just kind of like chilling out talking. Yeah, it was it so was like, nice. It was like after, it was like the spot in between the ceremony and the reception of a wedding. Yes, that's such a good way of looking at it. Like you just had the wedding. Everybody's like, oh, wow, it's finally over. Everybody's just chilled out, talking yeah. a bunch. But there's still, I was all sh- excited about there's the still stuff to do later. But yeah. like everyone's kind of chilled out at that point. Like all of the yeah. buildup is gone. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh, it's done. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody's talking and stuff. And the midwife did such a cool thing. She actually did a placenta tour for us. That was, Bowden loved that. Mm-hmm. So I I really found placentas disgusting before. And, and, and my previous births, like I can't express enough how much I leaned away from anything to do with them. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to touch it. I wanted the babies cleaned and brought to me. And that's who I was then. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this time I was like, here I am like sitting in my own birth. Like I was, it was very interactive. I wanted to be a part of everything. And I wanted to see that stuff. I only really got interested in it in the last like couple of years after watching my sister give birth and stuff. I just found it all really, really cool. So the placenta tour was really awesome because we got to see exactly you know, where she grew. We got to see the side that was attached to me, the side that was, you know, hers and just the cord and everything. It was really, really cool. And it it really did feel like that in between time where we all just kind of chatted and, and you know, got to talk about the birth. I, I was so relieved at that moment. Like, first of all, my body is no longer pregnant, which felt amazing. I didn't even care that I was getting stitched in the vagina at that point. Everything, like I was really excited about the padsicles. I remember how good they felt. I was really concerned. Everything with, was very cool. I was really concerned with emptying the tub. You guys did really well with it though. Yeah. I don't even I, remember, I remember it being a thing. I remember it sitting there and, and, and being like, are the midwives going to empty this? <laughs> do I like? Do I have to do this? And then I cut the hose. Yeah. Remember, because we had like the like we had two garden houses, so I kept like there, none of the pump that the tub came with wasn't sufficient. didn't didn't connect to a garden hose in right. any way, right? It had like this connection that was like barbed, and I was like, "Well, how am I going to do this?" And so I went to the and I went and got the extra hose, mm-hmm. and then I cut it, and I was like, "Oh, I need to cut it again because it's too long," and I cut it again. So there was three sections of hose from this one hose, and then. I didn't use any of the, I didn't use the pump they sent or the connections. I went and got the high powered pump that I use for the swimming pool. We need to timestamp this for women to be able to tune out and just let their husbands listen to this portion because nobody gets a crap. No, this is important. (laughs) So I got the high powered pump for the swimming pool. Right. We hooked it up and then. I thought it went out to the garden. No. My sister told me afterwards it went to the kitchen sink. And that, yeah. So it, I was like, Megan, can you grab the hose and put it in the sink yeah. so that we can pump this out? Now, this is a high velocity, high volume. I forgot pump. about this. Yeah, this is a high volume pump. So I plug in the pump and then water just sprays all over the house. It was everywhere. everywhere. It was only plugged in for like a second and there was like 20 gallons of water. That got pumped into the kitchen and, and the living room and the dining t- room. We had like 20 towels ready, but we'd only, we'd already used. And then we the, used every towel in the house in the, and there was still the water left. Yeah. That was the only thing that went wrong. But it's because I had cut the, the hose twice. So yeah. she took like a random end of hose. I had that, no idea that it was That wasn't connected hose. to anything. And she yeah. put that in the sink. And then the, the hose that was actually connected to the pump was laying on the floor 
and then just sprayed like in a cartoon. It was when, like, funny. I was like literally laying here. You know? And then, yeah. I'm glad that nobody made anybody feel bad though because it was honestly just like a, oh, well, whatever. Like everyone was still, like I, that was the sense of the room though. Like that was that whole day. Our whole home was like, all right, whatever. Like everyone stayed so calm. Even as like literally gallons of birth fluid goes all over the house, everyone stayed freaking calm and just went to work. The midwives at that point were sitting at the dining table filling out paperwork. They have to like do a bunch of stuff on their end. And then they saw a, a wave, a wave of, of water a come in. They're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then it didn't go, it didn't, it didn't go into anything that could cause permanent water damage, but yeah. It was still it was, like it was an event. Now I have to like bleach the entire house because there's yeah. my my slight fear of getting birth fluids <laughs> splashed onto the floor became, you know, oh, let's just drench the entire house <laughs> in birth fluids. Birth fluids. Okay. So to wrap up the whole birth thing, this is the part that was actually so sweet for me was after, you know, everything was kind of done and wrapped up. The midwife student said, okay, now let's get you upstairs. And she basically got me upstairs she took me to the bathroom for like my first pee and made sure everything was like working okay. And then like, would I like have a shower or anything? And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm good. I actually just really want to get to bed. You went in the shower though, didn't you? Oh, I rinsed. You're right. I had a rinse because in the shower, but I didn't wash my hair. Because the the shower. I noticed that. So I think I rinsed in the shower and then I went into my room and she had the bed made with the puppy pads on it. And tucked me into bed, brought some snacks. I had my little snack basket, brought snacks, brought drinks. Like I was legitimately cared for to the point of being tucked into bed. And then you came up with the baby and everyone, the kids came into the room and we all like, we were chilling out there around midnight, the midwives went home and we said goodnight to everyone. And it was like, there was such a buzz in the room and it was so, so exciting, but that moment was when I was like, this was the best decision we've ever made. Beyond just the fact that I actually did it, the fact that I didn't, you know, give up on myself. Not, I just shouldn't even say that because I don't ever, I've had three epidurals before. I don't want to say that I ever gave up on myself in the past or that anybody else has, but in the situation that we're in and having to push through like fear like that and that fear that, you know me, I was terrified from about 20 weeks. All I talked about was how scared I was to give but, birth. But when you got there? But when I got there, it was nailed like, it. and I was so calm. I think I was just so freaking proud that I like got through that fear moment and then like went through with it. But at that very end of it, being tucked into bed was just like, oh my gosh, like what is this experience? It was just like nothing I'd ever I'd ever related birth to. And it was so beautiful and so nice. And I just, it's, it's bizarre because we love to share as women, especially we love to share birth stories. We love to swap them. They're like currency to us. But this is the first time that I didn't have like this. Oh, like it was so terrifying. And then this happened. And like all of my birth stories always feel like something terrible was happening. And I was scared and I was panicky. Like this is the only story that I get to hold on to that I was like, I was so peaceful. I was so calm. Like I had so much fear in me and yet went through it in such a calm matter, in such a quiet delivery, which you know me, I freaking can't handle anything. I cry every time I even get like a paper cut. 
Like I'm not like a, I'm not like one of these people that has a very high pain tolerance, I thought. So it was all very magical and special to me. And I, and I really do love that I carry that. And the fact that when it was over the pain of like recovery felt almost good because it was like past this whole thing. But I know uh, one thing that a lot of people ask me though, was how was it for you watching it? Because a lot of people, when they're about to give birth, they're really terrified of their spouses or partners to see their body in a completely different way, especially when you've had like sexual relationships or when you've had a relationship that's romantic is, is that changed while watching birth? Be brutally honest. Like, I actually want you to be honest about this. Like how it was for you to watch me, your like romantic and sexual partner give birth. It's, it's a little, it's hard. Cause it's like, it's completely outside of how you would, it's completely outside of how it normally look like, look at you. Mm. Right. Like all of a sudden we're in the situation. It's kind of surreal. It's a major event. It's like, it's like on your wedding day where everything seems kind of like surreal. Like, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a movie playing. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel real. That's what's happening. Right. But like, I felt very calm. I wasn't freaking out. You know, it's a life changing moment. Right. Mm. Like it's a life changing event that's happening right now. And then it happens for me. It completely, it didn't meet all my expectations because my expectation was like, hey, there's going to be this newborn baby. I'm going to, I love babies. I love newborns. But like, I'm not going to like love this baby. Yeah. All the way. Yeah. Like right off the bat. Yeah. Like just because it exists. Yeah. Totally. But I did. Yeah. Right which was very unexpected. And like, I felt emotional. It was crazy. And I remember you looked at me and we looked at each other and we didn't even say anything, but it was like, I really felt it. (laughs) It's been a lot of that this week. (laughs) You made the baby cry. Sorry. It's been beyond what either of us expected. What I was scared of was not feeling that. And I think for you, you probably just didn't have that expectation. And then this whole week has been just absorbing the fact that it has been so good. It's been a little bit over a week now. Yeah. It's been nine days. It's been nine days. (laughs) We both had like a, I think it was, it was the first day that we were like alone with her, maybe last Monday. And I, it was the day that we knew that my milk would come in and I was like, I'm going to be emotional we just paused and we're like, holy crap. Like after this whole year, after how hard the pregnancy was and not just on me, like it was on you. Like you, you were up with me like almost every night. I was so sick. I was a shell of who I was. And all of a sudden it was like, who fucking cares? Like it doesn't matter. It honestly didn't matter anymore because we're just like, all of this makes sense now. Every, every, like, it just felt like us meeting made sense. It felt like our whole lives made sense. It just, it just felt like everything slowly just, you know, even, even watching the kids with her and just everything, it was just like everything they felt that was going to be feeling so foreign. And like, I was going back in time or like I was trying to fit puzzle pieces together instead was just this like perfect. I just called it training for the sleep that everybody said I wasn't going to get. (laughs) Now we're sleeping so well and we feel so bad about it. Everybody's like, "Oh man, get get prepared to never sleep again," and that just hasn't been the case yet. It's been nine yet. days. Like, it's let's days. let's be realistic. I don't even care if we got one week of sleep after yeah. that nine months of no sleep. Felt so good. True. 
it's been so nice this week. Yeah. I didn't sleep that first night because I just stared at her all night long. Oh, I remember I woke up like 20. Every time she moved or made a sound, I'm like, oh, oh did I just <laughs> did I just lay on her? <laughs> yeah, we had her in the bed and well, she was in the cradle and I brought her in the bed and I was just holding her like all night, just like staring. It's it's so much to absorb. Her personality has become known. We kind of get we've kind of gotten her a couple times. A couple times she confuses us. But overall, like we're starting to figure out who she is. But like those that first night was a lot. We just really got up a lot and stayed with her. But we're not having any more kids. We're definitely comfortable with that. We're definitely happy with that. That is a firm answer. But if you were to do it all again, what would you change? I don't know. I feel like we were pretty prepared. Yeah. I feel like it would, I'd probably removed coronavirus. <laughs> if if I could change that, yeah, coronavirus would not have ever been a thing. Now, but. let me ask. I know we have to like end this, but realistically, you were entirely not absent from the pregnancy, but from the experience of being part of anything. Did it end up impacting you at the end? What? I don't understand what that means. You didn't get to come to any appointments, no ultrasounds, nothing. Like you were very removed from the experience of it. Like I would have liked to to be there for you. Yeah. But for me, it didn't really. It didn't make a difference. No. That's good. Because like, again, at that point, Remember that at that point in time, I wasn't expecting to have like to feel right a connection to a newborn baby. Right. I was expecting to wait until, you know, those year like those months or years or whatever where the baby starts to like interact and smile and learn and those because in my mind those were that's like that's when a baby becomes yeah. interesting. Yeah. And that's what they say for a lot of dads as well. Like, it's nothing to feel bad about. But for a lot of dads, they don't actually register that relationship until it is interactive. Yeah. But like, I just, I don't know. It was very instant. I just instantly loved her. Yeah. She's been. Which is, you know. A surprise and delight. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it was good. Happy birthday. That was great. How come we don't celebrate a baby's first birthday, which is really the day they were born? Why don't we have a cake for that? Or hats? Why aren't we wearing hats while you're pushing or, or have those kazoo things? That is the most real thing you've ever said. That is truly the birthday. Yeah. Every other day is the anniversary of your birthday. It's not a real birthday. Huh. Your birthday is the day you were born. It was the day you were birthed. Every subsequent one, anniversary of your birthday. That means I'm on my 37th anniversary which of is, my birthday, which makes me older. Which is why in France, they don't say... Happy birthday. They say joyeux anniversaire, which is happy anniversary of your birthday. Oh, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Also, Shane is bilingual if you didn't figure that out by that little tidbit there. I only have one tongue, but yes, I speak multiple <laughs> languages. <laughs> Thank you for doing this with me. I know you. we've talked about doing a podcast together forever, but I don't think we've ever... You're actually really great. I think we should do one... About you say beer making or something? Stupid. No, nobody care. Like few people care about that. There's a few people that care about that. Will you come on to the episode where we talk about penises? I mean, I have one. I feel like I have some qualifications. Okay, but I feel like we should do one based on like current events. Ooh, yeah. Maybe you're gonna be a regular guest. Mm. We'll see how the reviews go. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of people have never heard you speak because you're often like in the background and doing things. But I always feel like I miss capturing 
your hilarity and the fact that you're always keeping me on my toes. And I feel like you did a good job of that during this. I feel like this microphone and this recording device really capture the bassiness of my voice. You do have a good bass. Because it is really, really good. When we were dating, do you remember when you were When I was a smoker, yeah. His voice was so good. I felt so guilty for being like, but you quit smoking. It was a very good thing. And we appreciate you doing that for us. Yeah, Apparently, if you quit smoking before you're 40, you can live as long as a person who had never smoked ever. Did you learn that on Reddit? I did learn that on Reddit. And that's a real source of information that I use for things. Shane loves Reddit. I love Instagram. And if I ever jump onto his Reddit, he feels very violated. It's because I show you things and you've already seen them. Yeah, it's true. I should just let you show me things and I'll show you things from Instagram. I'm I'm showing you the best of the best. Reddit's showing me the best of the best. So you're getting the best of the best of the best. It's a curated event. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. That was our birth story. The best that we're ever going to tell it. And we talked for, I said we were going to do this for half an hour and it's been an hour and five minutes. So I'm going to leave it to you guys. Hopefully you can message me or message the podcast page and start suggesting other ways that Shane can come on the podcast, what you'd love to hear him talk about. I know one thing that everyone has wanted him to share on is what it's like being a step-parent or a bonus dad and being in a blended family. I think that's another really good episode for us. But yeah, we would love your suggestions and hopefully we can bring them back on soon if we didn't scare them off. So thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.